If you are new here, my name is Matt, and uh, I'm the new leader here, and it is wonderful. I say new, it's not that new anymore, it's been like, I don't know, seven weeks, eight weeks, and it is wonderful. Thank you so much for the water. It is wonderful to see you. If you're a guest in this place, welcome. We love you. We are for you. And uh, you, if you are a guest, you are here at the best week. We are on Vision Sunday, week one. And um, we're going to look at, uh, over the next four weeks, we're going to look at who we are, what we're about, what it means for unlimited to be unlimited, what it means for us to be us. And I'm going to speak today about the miraculous in the mundane. Next week, Laura is going to speak about all out for the youth of the city, all out for the rising gen. And then we've got a right treat. Uh, three weeks' time, we've got um, Emma Worrell from Open Doors, and she is amazing, talking about the persecuted church. And then in four weeks' time, I'm going to talk about giving generously because it is our joy. Today we're going to look at um, Acts chapter 3, and if you are there, if you've got a Bible, if you've got uh, a phone, can you Google Acts chapter 3, and we're going to jump straight there. If I've got a phrase today, I, I want to say this, is when we look up, we see that God is showing up, and it's not because he hasn't been, it's not because he's suddenly arrived, it's because he's in the business of doing miracles. And therefore, I want to say today, God is showing up. And we've got to try our best to see if we can look up, see what he's doing, explore who he is. And so if you hear nothing today, I'd like it to be this. God is the God as, as we look up, he is showing up. This is Acts chapter 3 and it goes something like uh, this. One day, Peter and John were going up on the temple at noontime to pray. At three in the afternoon, sorry. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried there uh, to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look up. So the man gave him his attention expecting to get something from him. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up to his feet, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them, praising God, into the temple courts, walking and jumping, praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging in the temple outside the gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at all that had happened to him. I want to hone in on verse 4 just for a moment. Peter looked at him, as did John, and he said, look up, look up, eyes up. Uh, can I confess something to you? Over lockdown, one of my voices, one of my things that got me through was this game called Call of Duty. Has anyone played Call of Duty before? I love it. And um, I quite often play with friends online and I chat to people and they're like, what do you do? Yeah, you chat to strangers and I say, like, oh, I'm a priest. And they're like, no, no, you're not. A priest wouldn't play this game. And I say, no, no, I'm a priest and I play Call of Duty. And we had these kind of conversations and I find it fascinating. And it basically, it's this first-person shooter where you kind of play online, multiplayer map, and uh, you go around shooting each other, basically. It's wonderful. And... Um, I love it. Uh, what happened is, 
as I was kind of getting into Call of Duty over lockdown, I did that thing that I kind of had mocked my friends for doing, which was I started watching people play Call of Duty. Have you got friends or have you got like kids? Are you one of those people who watches people play computer games on YouTube, on TikTok? I, I, I always took the mick out of people for doing this and uh, called them things that I probably don't want to say on a microphone. And so, you know, but as, as I sort of got into Call of Duty, I, I, I kind of started to watch these tutorials. I started to watch these pros. And, um, you know, at first, it was just like jump spots, best place to land on the map, best guns, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it got further and further and further down the road. And I started to, to kind of look at more and more and more in detail about analysis, about like which weapon like fires the longest range and which is the quickest, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I got further and further down this rabbit hole. And eventually, eventually, my YouTube feed was just filled with, um, with videos of people playing computer games. And I went down this rabbit hole, basically. And my favorite videos of all times were these people, they would record where they were looking on the screen. So you get these pro players, and you can see what they're looking at. Are they looking ahead? Are they looking at the garage? Are they looking at the map? Are they looking at the weapon? Are they looking up? You know, and you get to see, are they looking at the wind at the top of the corner? Are they looking long, deep? Like, it was fascinating. You get to see the, the way that their eyes were moving on these maps. Fascinating. I think this is uh, really interesting because I think this is exactly what Peter and John are doing. They're observing what other people are observing. They're seeing what people are focused on. They're watching the world around them, seeing what people are looking at and analyzing their surroundings. Now, I wonder whether you're new to church. If you're not new to church and you were a kid in the noughties like me, yeah, I'm getting old. It was my birthday yesterday, 34. And uh, I remember being a teenager in the noughties. And, and uh, what we would do is we'd go on these really dodgy evangelism courses. And, you know, I say dodgy, like, the, the theory was okay, but the, the theology was like... It was pretty iffy, to be honest. And uh, they're still running today. You can do one down the road if you'd like. And, um, but they, it was funny because, like, there was something in them that, like... Like, oh, I just, it rubbed me up the wrong way. But there was this premise. There's this premise that is absolutely bang on the money, which is this. Every place and every person is an opportunity to show the kingdom of God at work. Every person, every place is an opportunity to demonstrate the miraculous in the mundane. Every person, every place is an opportunity to show what God is up to here and now. And while I'd like to shake off some of the more interesting theology, the premise is game-changing. Every place, Tesco's, your workplace, a Zoom call, your kid's bedroom, a phone call, a car park, every person, people you love, people you don't love, strangers, people that you're going to be best friends with, people you go drinking with, people you play tennis with, people you go for a surf with, your neighbours, your friends... Every person, every place is an opportunity to demonstrate and show the goodness of God, the love of God, the, the, the miraculous in the mundane. See, this is what Peter is doing here. We don't know whether Peter does this every day. We probably assume he does. Like he's out you know, with his friends getting chicken and the, the waiter comes over and he's like, hey, do you know your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? And the waiter's like, I'm sorry, what? You know, or whether this is like, him being deeply prompted by the Holy Spirit. Either way, there is an intentionality of Peter that would change our city if we got into the mindset of. He notices 
people. He sees people. He watches what people are looking at. He notices this man's eyes. They're down. In fact, the only way that he knows that they're there is because he's staring at their ankles. So Peter says, eyes up. Look at us. Look at us. Two super obvious questions that prompt me in this. Is what are you looking at? What are you observing? What is visually stimulating your mind? What are you watching? If you compare on your iPhone or Android battery, you know, on the app, how much time you spent on TikTok or, or Instagram compared to how much time you spent in the scriptures, would that same visual stimulation be true? I'm not saying that Instagram or TikTok are bad, just to be on record. I love Instagram and TikTok. But it's worth asking a question. What are you visually stimulating yourself with? Are you seeing the miracles happening in the mundane? That crazy story of faith that's unveiling in your midst? Or are you just staring and scrolling into the night? The second thing is that this guy is on the floor. In order for him to eyeball Peter, eyeball John, he's got to look up. Same is true with you and I. You know, if we sit head down, consumed in our own business, enabling everything in our heads to just take over our emotions and our bodies, we sit there feeling pretty gloomy. Yet our job is to look up to heaven and start seeing the miraculous happen around us. You know, we've got to be a church that sees a spiritual osteopath. We've got to see appointments with the divine. We've got to start looking up and seeing God at work. As we look up, we start seeing the miraculous. Not because God hasn't been there already, but as we start to look up, we start to see God as showing up. As we start to look up, we start to see him fixing our broken relationships. As we start to look up, we get to see him at work in our stress and anxieties. As we start to look up, we get to see him at work in paying our bills that we didn't think we could pay. As we look up, he starts to fix our brokenness. It changes us from feeling belittled or cheated or worried or insignificant, unloved or unseen to getting a glimpse into heaven and being reminded again that you are a son and a daughter of the heavenly king, that you were bought at a price, that you are loved, that you are given purpose, that you are God's beloved, that you do go through life with a heavenly king by your side, that you're not just left in the lurch, but as you start to look up, seeing God show up, we see that he is ever-present working wonders. Your spiritual posture will determine your experience and understanding of the world. There's this amazing thing that's been happening in, in, um, in the States, in this little, little um, uh, campus called Asbury. And it's amazing. This is a New York Times article. Woodstock for Christians, revival draws thousands to Kentucky. This is a revival that's been happening over the last two, or two and a half weeks or so. 
one of um, a guy called Pete Gregg, who's uh, we're going to look at on Thursday night at his course. He posted this um, picture on Instagram. He was there. He said, he said this. For a few extraordinary hours on Sunday, the Kentucky police shut the roads into Asbury. Crowds were coming into this tiny town. Normally, the population size is 3,686. One leader reckons they got 100,000 people coming through in, 30, in 13 days. Normally, they get 3,000. 100,000 people are showing up to see God at work to see him move in a fresh way, to get a glimpse from heaven, to see the miraculous in the mundane. There's nothing special about this campus. There was nothing special about the prayer meeting that kicked it off. There was nothing extraordinary about this town. It's a small town, a tiny town. But as the New York Times is saying, revival is breaking out. They're seeing the mundane being broken into by the miraculous. And that's the kind of people that we are called to be in this church. Verse 6 says this. It's getting too dark to read my Bible. I'm going to read it on my iPad. It's always a good sign, isn't it? It says this. Uh, Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Be honest with me. If you genuinely felt God say, pick up that man who's disabled, his feet and his ankles will get instantly better, would you have the cojones to do it? I would struggle. I wonder whether you would, but they do it. They see God at work. Why? Because they spent time with Jesus. But also, could you imagine there's a disappointment in this guy? Imagine just, you know, walking out here and I'm walking across the road to the homeless community and they've got a little sign up saying, you know, food, I'm hungry, you know, help the homeless, you know, can you spare a few, a few bits of change for some food? And you smiling at them and saying, I tell you what, I'll give you the best thing, I'll give you the best thing that I've got. And they kind of expect you to take off your watch or get out your phone and give it to them or, you know, like at least something out of your wallet. And you smile at them and you say, silver or gold I do not have, but in the name of Jesus, you probably wouldn't finish the sentence by them telling you to go do one, would you? Imagine that. Imagine the scenario. Imagine what it would look like. Imagine their faces. The best thing I've got I'm going to give you. And you start praying. It's almost condescending, isn't it? But this is the thing. This is exactly the kind of people we're called to be. But just put this in context for a little moment. Imagine... For a moment, you're your friend who's disabled or your loved one who's disabled or the person in your life who is disabled says, hey, can you help me? And what they're really expecting is, hey, can you help me to a food shop? Hey, can you help me get to an appointment? Hey, can you help me with, you know, changing a light bulb? Hey, can you help me filling in a form? And you say, yeah, yeah, I'll help you, I'll help you. I'll give you the best thing I've got. Silver or gold, I'll do that. But in the name of Jesus, be healed. It seems incredible, doesn't it? Imagine saying to your close friends whose husband or wife or loved ones just walked out on them and they've come to you for some condolence and they've come to you for some love and some care and you say to them, silver or gold I do not have but in the name of Jesus. They'd probably say, hey, I didn't come here for that. I came here for a cuddle. I came here to be loved. It seems so far-fetched but at the same time, it's exactly what we're called to do. I know it's hard 
I know it's hard. But saying to the people in the moment, hey, can I pray for you? I believe that we have a God who loves. I believe we've got a God who heals. I believe we've got a God who wants to restore. Hey, I believe we've got a God who's on your side. I believe we've got a God who's showing up in this moment. It takes courage, but it's a win-win. The worst thing that's going to happen is they say no, right? And their fears about you being a crazy Christian are confirmed, which is fair because, you know, you might be a crazy Christian. That's okay. On the other hand, on the other hand, they say yes. Best case scenario. And like this man sitting at the gate called Beautiful, the Spirit of God moves and their lives are changed forever. They consider it to be a miracle. There was that time where, they yeah, tell the story, there was a time where this person came and they prayed for me and my marriage was restored. Hey, my kids came at home. Hey, I found the money. Hey, I got to the doctor's appointment. Hey, I got the help I needed. Hey, my back was healed. Hey, my cancer was gone. Hey, you know, my debt is being taken. I want to be the community who is known in the city as this strange outpost of heaven where people don't really understand it and people may not agree with our theology and people might see us as these weird Christian blokes and women, but there is something that is happening here where people come into this space and don't agree with everything we say, but there is a, there's a, a, a clear, distinct move of God happening in our midst. St. Augustine, one of the famous uh, theologians of the church, writing 1,700 years ago. Uh, was it Charlie? Was it 1,700 years ago? How many years ago was it? 480, thank you. That's not 1,700, that's like 1,600 years ago. He said this, The Holy Spirit has come to abide in you. Do not make him withdraw. Do not exclude him from your heart in any way. He is a good guest. He found you empty and he's filled you. He found you hungry and he satisfied you. Whatever you're lacking in, whatever baggage you bring into his presence, whatever the struggle, wherever you find yourselves lacking and hungry, whether emotionally, physically or spiritually, God will satisfy you. And not just you, but the people around you. I think we've been entrusted to be those people who uniquely speak of the promises of God, to uniquely speak into what God is doing in their lives. Not just kind words and nice words that are offered across the world that just last a moment, but words that will last for the power of eternity, for the course of eternity. In the name of Jesus, be healed. And I guess the question is, but how and why and where and what difference does it make? I want to say today that there is a real excitement to life when we dive into the prophetic, when we dive into the miraculous in the mundane. The reason we wait on the Holy Spirit after every talk is because we want to stand in his presence and say, God, come breathe life into me. Come speak. Come, let us experience what you've got for me. Come, let us experience your goodness at work. I want us to drink deep of the well of the Spirit of God 
enabling our souls to be renewed and refreshed as we play our part in seeing the miraculous in the mundane. Why does God do this? Because he gives us a foretaste into what is to come. It says this in verse 8, he jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. The promise of heaven is that there is no more death or suffering or pain or disease or hardship or sorrow or grief or anxiety or worry or fear. But perfect love, perfect peace, perfect joy, perfect healing. When we pray, Jesus, heal this man's legs. What we're doing is we are zooming out of the now and we're expanding the horizon of our vision into eternity. When we get to see that day when we're fully restored, where creation is renewed, where it's all made right again. And that's the kind of people we're called to be. It says this in verse 9. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I wonder whether we don't do what Peter and John do because we're waiting for someone more qualified, more comfortable with putting themselves out there. Someone who's perhaps less scared. They recognize him. They recognize him. It's funny, isn't it? Because that must mean that he's been there for a while. Like quite a while. If he's carried there every day, day in, day out, it must mean that he is a member of the community that is seen day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out. And if they've been there year in, year out, and Peter and John are doing what is accustomed to them, does it ever cross your mind that they've probably been there already with Jesus? In fact, Jesus has probably already walked past this guy before them. And so you have to ask the question, well, why? Why, Jesus, would you have not healed this guy? If you've walked past him in this beautiful setting, in this, in this place that we know is called beautiful, why would you have not have healed him? Why would you have not done that for him? And I guess the best answer is that Jesus considered it to be Peter and John's assignment. I think that Jesus queued this up for Peter and John. He might have given them a structure. He might have showed them how to do it. He might have healed people in similar ways at similar times in similar places. But I think that this was, was, was purposefully created for Peter and John to walk through the doors, to notice this guy and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. I think this is what Jesus is doing. He's giving us the opportunity of seeing the thrill of heaven unleashed in our midst, in seeing the, the prophetic and the miraculous happening in our mundane, in our day-to-day -day lives, in the everyday ordinary places that we walk in. And we get to practice it, we get to belong, we get to play our part as we start to look up and see God showing up. We get to see where he's moving 
again and again and again. And here's where I come into to land. My prayer for this community, the thing I pray more than anything else, is that we'd grow. Not so we can put bums on seats and look impressive and be a big church. But rather in order to see a glimpse of heaven. As people walk through this door saying, I didn't believe in God. I don't really believe in the miraculous. I'm spiritual. I've got, you know, answered questions. I don't even know if God really exists. But as they enter this place, they have a distinct distinct encounter with the living God and their lives are changed. They have a moment where they get to see the love of God poured into his precious people. See, I believe that we are the kind of people that will pray huge prayers. Not because we have all the answers, but because we need the answers. Because we're bold and courageous, allowing the Spirit of God to work through us time and time again. As we start looking up and seeing God showing up in ordinary places in extraordinary ways. And so my plea is this. Let's allow the prophetic in the mundane, the miraculous in the mundane, to be our expectation as we walk through this city, as we do lives with people, as we see people on the street, as we meet colleagues and loved ones, as we see those people who we really know, we should say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Let's be the kind of community that's bold and courageous in how we seek God and seek the city and love it and care for it in a way that ushers us into eternity. Let's get the thrill of seeing the miraculous in the mundane. We start looking up, seeing God showing up, and that's changing the lives of those people around us.